0: I really opened my eyes to the credit union system and world because I was like, okay, they just didn't know. They just didn't know. And now that they're aware they want to do better and they did do better, you know. So that's really where my passion for the industry really grew.
1: everyone, this is Patty Quirkery. Welcome to another episode of Credit Union's Coffee and Conversation. Thank you so much for pressing play. Thrilled to have you here. Um, this has been a really fun episode for me. I had the privilege of sitting down and really getting to know a lot better um, Barbara Mojica. She is my guest today. Uh, Barbara is the Executive Director of the National Association of Latino Credit Unions and Professionals. So uh, it was a really great conversation. Um, I really enjoyed talking to Barbara. She's been the executive director of that association for over a year now and uh, really dug into her credit union journey. Um, But I think what was most impactful uh, was just hearing her story of coming to the United States from Mexico as a five-year-old and and going into uh, a pretty rural area in North Carolina and what that experience was like for her and her family and all of the things that she had to overcome and to me that was the most moving part of our our discussion and um it's just really interesting to hear that story and I appreciate her so much for really going there with us as you'll hear in the episode Barbara was one of the beneficiaries of the DACA program um she was undocumented and and became eligible to take part in that program, to get uh, her work program, she could stay in the United States, she could get her driver's license, all of those things. Um, And it made a huge impact on her life and it was really, um, moving to hear her uh, story and her perspective on, on that program and, and how that really impacted her and her family, and as well as um, this competition she entered into as a young professional and how that really changed her life. So I know you're going to enjoy this conversation that I had with Barbara. It was fascinating to hear from her, this young professional, that's certainly going to be someone to watch in our industry. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Barbara. Well, hey, Barbara, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's great to see you.
0: Great to see you too, Patty. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We were just sharing temperature stories, so I'm not sure what the temp is when people are listening to this, but we're going through that crazy cold time in Michigan. It's, I don't know, five degrees where I am and and you're cold at around 40.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Barbara, where are you? I'm actually located in North Carolina near the Triangle area. Um, Okay. Yeah. yeah, 43 is, it's 43 degrees is really cold for us here in the South. So (laughs) yeah, for sure. I know.
1: And it's funny because it's all what you get used to. I know I was in Florida a couple of weeks ago and it was like maybe mid-60s. So for them, it was still kind of cold because I was in like the Lauderdale area. But, you know, you see people with coats on and Ugg boots on. And for me, I'm like (laughs) barely having a jacket on. But it's all what you get used to, you know? I mean, for people that lived in Southern Florida, that's that's cold. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's always funny to me too, watching those Floridians and Ugg boots in 60-degree weather. I know. It's a nice spring day in North Carolina. Yeah, no doubt, no
1: doubt. Um, well, thanks again for joining me and I'm I'm really excited to kind of dig in and and talk to folks about what you do and getting to know you better, but. um, typically, you know, how I kind of get things rolling is, is asking folks that are on the podcast to kind of tell us their story, you know, tell us, you know, some people are stick to kind of more professional, some people go a little personal, but um, however you want to um, respond, Barbara, I think it'd be great for people to get to know you if you want to start off by telling us your story.
0: Yeah, well, I think uh, my personal life um, involves a lot of also with my professional life. So okay. um, early, I guess. I was born in Mexico, and I lived in Mexico for the first five years of my life, and then I actually migrated to the United States when I was five, almost six years old, with my mom. Um, she actually brought us, well, herself and her four kids um, through that journey, um, and it was a really long journey, um, yeah. but I ended up in the United States um, in the 2000. So after that, I've been settled in North Carolina ever since. Um, and I've, you know, basically have grown up in North Carolina my whole life. Um, I grew up undocumented, so that's there's that. Um, and I think that provided me with a perspective of the American dream, and I'm putting that in quotation marks for everyone that's not yeah here. Um. In the sense that you know, I felt like I had to work a lot harder than most folks to achieve just as much or to get just as much, Um, and that's basically just how I grew up, undocumented kid in in the South. Um, And for those people that know the South, it's a little bit less forgiving um, than other parts of this country to the migrant community. So. yeah. Yeah, that's,
1: well, thanks for sharing that. So what, what, what was it like to come to North Carolina when you were five? I mean, do you have a lot of memories at that time? I mean, I imagine you do because it was such a significant um, move, but as adults, all of our memories are kind of weird. Some people remember everything. Some people it's <laughs> like, but what, what do you recall about that experience? And, and, and can you describe it?
0: Yeah. Um, it felt very alienating, which is funny because you know people refer to undocumented people as aliens. Um, yeah, it, it felt very alienating because first of all, I was growing up in Mexico City, so coming to from a city to a very a very huge city. Part, I
1: don't think people until you go there. I haven't been, but my daughter was there recently, and I was just talking to somebody else about Mexico City. It's huge. It's. Yes way bigger than New York City. I mean, that's a big city um, to transition to North Carolina.
0: <laughs> I know. And so, and it, and then there was a rural part in North Carolina, Duplin County for <sighs> anybody that's familiar. Um, that's one gas station at that time. <laughs> so um, it was really culturally shocking to me. But I think especially the, when I went to school, I felt even more othered, um, not only by just the language barriers that I had, but also by my peers that also looked like me, but I wasn't like them because I didn't, I wasn't born in this country and I didn't know English. So not only could I not make friends with like the white or black folks because I didn't know Spanish, I mean English, but I also couldn't make friends with people that were Hispanic or Latinx because I wasn't born in the United States um so school was (laughs) very tough for me growing up um just in the friendship level um it was really really hard to make friends and for people to um accept me um so that was that was tough growing up yeah um but it was also really nice to see the hope that my parents had you know like even though they worked really hard and they had a lot of things that they had to work through um i felt like this was the first time that i saw them have hope for their future and the future of their kids and i and i could recognize that at a, at a very early age in my life um yeah. so yeah that that's that was yeah. a difficult time in my life i feel I'm like sure.
1: <laughs> when do you think it felt to get a little bit easier so you came over at 5 like when did you Start to pick up English and start to maybe feel your groove. Like how long? How long did it take in those adolescent years to feel like you had you were starting to get some friends? You were starting to, you know, acclimate a little bit more. How long did it take?
0: Well, I know that I picked up English pretty quickly because I was in ESL for just one year. ESL is the English, um, sec- English as a second language sort of school that they Aside, in a way, for a teacher to teach you English or whatever, um, and I was basically graduated from the program within a year of arrival to the United States. Wow. Um, so I think it's it also had to do. I was so young, you know, kids yeah. when they're so young can pick up things um really quickly, but that still didn't make me be part of something or a group yeah. of folks, right? I feel like I didn't really make really really good friends and probably until high school that's how difficult it is but I have to say because of that sort of isolation that kids forced me into unfortunately um I was really focused on on my school so I (laughs) overachieved in in a lot of um school work and activities and a lot of reading so um I'll have to say my teachers were my friends, which sounds weird because you shouldn't want your teachers to be your friends. But I, I did spend a lot of time with teachers just because of the, the constant bullying that I had to experience when I was young because of, I, I do feel genuinely because I was undocumented yeah. um, and, and maybe kids didn't realize that that's the way it was coming, but because you know, you're the only one that doesn't yeah. have, you know, a social security or whatever the case is um, you do feel othered yeah
1: and, so yeah. yeah yeah great how did your appearance how did your mom pick north carolina did you know anyone there or how, how did you yeah
0: at- my mom actually has her sister here in north carolina oh, okay. and it was her sister who really encouraged her to come here um to to settle in the united yeah. states um yeah. even though my dad had siblings in california and other places my mom, I guess, chose her sister over for that. Yeah. So that's how we ended up in North Carolina. And she actually her and my mom live like one house apart.
1: Oh nice. So
0: they still live pretty close by.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, I uh, that your childhood is so sounds so incredibly challenging. And it's it's interesting because um a lot of folks, you know, face you know, whatever, the challenge of entering the workforce or other things along the way. But hopefully for you, the biggest challenge that you've had in your life is behind you in a way. I mean, crazy that you had to experience it from five on. But, you know, I I, I hope that, you know, I, I can't even imagine, you know, the character and most likely the closeness with your family that you develop kind of just with your siblings and everything else going through all of that together. It's gotta be pretty tremendous. So, um, well, um, thanks for sharing that. And then, so you got through high school, like you know, it sounds like they started <laughs> to kind of turn a corner in high school, which is good. Um, so, what happened next? You know, did you start picking up jobs as a high schooler, or how did you start to enter into the workforce? Especially, I'm not sure when you became documented and what sort of challenges you had with work because of that.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I wasn't documented up until the age of 18, which. I would still consider myself undocumented because that's when um president obama introduced a daca program which right. deferred, deferred um, action childhood arrivals and that was basically saying kids who came with their parents did not deserve to grow up without social security because it wasn't a fault that they had to cross the border illegally um so this was just a work permit that was given to us every two years we had to renew and it gave us the ability to work legally in the united states as well as in like these red states, uh, obtain a driver's license because here, if you don't have a social security, you can't even get a driver's license. So you're not even allowed to really drive in, in North Carolina currently under your status. Um, that was so life changing, Patty. And I still get teary because I remember like vividly. So prior to this, I, you know, I was a very studious kid and I always dreamed of school, but I knew. In North Carolina, school was probably not going to happen, like college and university, just because of the tuition. Um, As an undocumented kid here in North Carolina, you have to pay in-state and out-of-state tuition, which is double the money every year of what a regular American citizen would pay. And then we don't qualify for grants or a FAFSA or any sort of financial help. So I knew it was quite impossible to go to school. And I knew that, but I still... Put in a lot of effort just in case something was going to change. You know, my parents what I would always say, You never know what's going to change. Just, you know, keep putting all your effort or whatever and, and keep trying. And so finally, I had a teacher who encouraged me to apply to this private school. And that private school actually gave me a huge scholarship for me to attend school for the first two years wow. of, of um, university. So I was very grateful. And then that's when I got DACA. Right okay. when I was entering university is when they um announced that you know DACA was gonna be a thing. And I tell you the vivid memory I had is I was driving to the bigger city to get my books for my first day of class. And I hear it on the radio saying, Oh, this is coming, and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, No, 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 this cannot be true. Like, is this a lie? And so I start calling one of my uncles who was pretty well informed and he's like, No, yeah, that's happening. You're gonna need um eight hundred dollars and do all these things. And I was like, I have to call my parents. And my mom, like when I told her, she just started crying so much, you know, because I mean it was just so life-changing for us. Yeah. Um so my siblings qualified for it as well, and so all of us now are able to live decently in America because of that program. Um, and I was a DACA recipient for the longest time up until I married my husband who happens to be American and he petitioned for my residency and I actually got my residency last year so oh, nice Um, finally I feel like <laughs> I, I'm over the hill um, yeah. not all the way but you know life has gotten a lot easier and and I really do have President Obama to take for and the DACA program and I hope that it continues to stay alive. It's a program that's always up in the court systems, you know, being debated on. And I just hope that it continues to stay alive because so many lives depend on on this DACA and, and just the ability to have a social security, you know? So, I mean, more than a million people would be affected if, if DACA was to ever die, you know, because yeah. of legalities or whatever.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's really cool. I mean, I remember hearing, you know, about the DACA program and at the time when it came to be and just, you know, everybody heard on the news, you know, people kind of expressing something similar to what you just did about how monumentous it was for them. And it was such a big, you know, thing, even folks that it didn't directly impact like myself in terms of, you know, having to deal with that personally it was, it was such a big deal. And it's really cool to to talk to you about, you know, what that experience was like for you because somebody who directly was impacted by it. Um, yeah, that's, that's really amazing. And I'm glad, you know, that you've gotten over that hump and, you know, made your life a lot easier and what a huge impact. And, um, okay. So you went to college and then how did you get into the credit union space?
0: So I actually only did two years at the University of Malib because after the scholarship, I was back to I can't afford school anymore. But I, I'm happy to report that I never gave up on it. And I'll be graduating this uh, year in May with my bachelor's. Yay. So little by little, I've been taking one or two classes, you know, to, to finish up my undergrad. Nice. But um, after I left University of Olive I actually started working for a bank as a teller. Okay um and i moved up pretty quickly i think it's because the the bank that i was working at or the location was heavily hispanic customers latino folks and they really needed loan officers who could speak both languages so i became a loan officer within the five first five months of working there but i quickly realized i didn't like the way things were done yeah you know and i started looking at like other industries and i came across what a credit union is on the internet actually there you know when I was looking for I put financial jobs near me and credit unions kept popping up and I said okay what what is a credit union yeah and so I started reading a little bit more and then I applied to a local credit union here in North Carolina and seriously Patty it took them like I think four to five months to get back to me I never thought you know I would get the position um, but when they did, not only was the pay significantly better, but the benefits and the way people carry themselves was so much better that I immediately said yes as soon as I was offered. So Thanks. I worked for them as a loan officer starting off, and and I was there for almost five years, and I moved up all the way to community engagement, which is was my latest role in the credit union industry.
1: Okay. Um,
0: and what credit union was that, Barbara? This was Coastal Credit Union. Yeah. I'm really yeah. proud of it. <laughs> yeah, love yeah. The, I love that credit union so much. Um, they actually have a program, the Carolina League, um, for the credit unions in North and South Carolina, where it's called the Prodigy Program. And maybe this is something that your league is probably interested in also incorporating. Yeah. So The Prodigy Program is something for young professionals under 35 and under. And you basically have to present a case of what can the credit unions do to do better or how can they improve on X, Y, Z, et cetera. And so working at the uh, this credit union, I started noticing that they were declining. Um, and I love y'all, Coastal, so if y'all hear this. <laughs> y'all. Um, <laughs> they started declining loans for doctor recipients, work um, okay. visas certain work reasons that I was just like okay what is what is happening here that they're not approving you know DACA recipient people for whatever loans whether this person had good credit and a good job it was still getting declined um so I got really upset you know because in orientation time excuse me they tell you oh we're Credit Union, we're different we're here to help people and I was like okay well this is not helping people because you're declining folks that you, you know, I identify with my friends, my the people that I also like, I'm part of that community. Yeah. um And so my manager at the time encouraged me to do a presentation on, on why you should be serving DACA recipients. And it's a competition. So I competed against 11 other people and I won the competition. Nice. Um, and then they started implementing changes around DACA recipient loans and, and how they view work visas and stuff of that sort. So a lot of credit unions around the North and South Carolina um, started making those changes. And, you know, that really opened my eyes to the credit union system and world because I was like, OK, they just didn't know. They just didn't know. And now that they're aware, they want to do better. And they did do better, you know, so that's really where my passion for the industry really grew. Um, Mm -hmm. It's because there was leaders that were listening, you know, and that were ready to make those changes because. I don't know. They were humble enough to listen to a 23 year old telling them, hey, you're declining folks like me.
1: Yeah. No, but I think you're right. I mean, sometimes it's it's just it's not anything other than somebody needed to point point it out and and explain and i think so much of it is just you need somebody that's paying attention and that notices. And, and by having somebody like you who, like you said, this is your community, you're, you are you the one to stand up and say, wait a minute. And then it was probably just a matter of like, oh, wow, we didn't even realize that was happening. It was more like this automatic thing or whatever. Exactly. You know, or we didn't need, know that we'd feel better if we just had one more piece of information, whatever the tweak needed to be um, it's awesome that you were there to point that out. And, um, and I'm sure it made a difference for, for folks that, you know, once that was changed, you know, made a huge difference for the lives of people that were applying for those loans. So that's awesome. And we'll be right back. Hi, this is Gloria Ledoux from League InfoSite wanting to talk to you about our business continuity planning tool, Recovery Pro. So all credit unions are required to have a comprehensive business continuity plan. This system has model content for you to build out that plan and is priced based on asset size. For more information, please reach out to info at leagueinfosite.com. Okay. So, um, and I know you mentioned to me, oh, I kind of, I keep bringing this up, so I might as well uh, talk about it. I think it's so funny. You and I met um, <laughs> last year at the um, American Association, oh, wait, African-American Association of Credit Union Leagues. Yes. Uh, I probably said that wrong. Anyway, AACUC. Um, and <laughs> we were both there. And we got up super early um, because they were having this, you know, um, event where you could get on the bus and get to Stone Mountain because it was at this resort uh, just outside of Atlanta. And um, so I was going to be very proactive, just like you and get up really early and go watch the sunrise over Stone Mountain. So this was early, like 530 in the morning, we're talking about. Um, Anyway, I show up in the lobby and there's no one there and there's no like shuttle bus. There's no nothing. And I asked the front desk and they're like, oh yeah, the shuttle left. And so <laughs> I misread the agenda and I'm standing there and I remember seeing you and you like do the same thing I did. You're like looking for the shuttle, looking for the bus. And then we had, we both missed it. And so we're like, well, let's get there together. And was it your car or somebody else's car that took It was us-
0: someone else's. We yes.
1: We came down
0: <laughs> as well.
1: So there were three of us that like totally missed it. We misread the agenda anyway. So you and I ended up kind of sticking together and walking up that huge stone mountain together, which was a great workout um, and, and getting to know each other, which was so fun. And it's just... Weird how the universe works. Um, that you and I kind of connected that way. And and now here we are months later chit chatting. You just never know when you're gonna meet someone. Um, but that was so fun. And I remember um talking to you, and, and you kind of walked me through like similar to what you just did, kind of your trajectory. Um, and but you mentioned I think it was the CEO of Coastal, right? Or somebody that was kind of a mentor to you. Yes. Like,
0: can you yes. share that maybe?
1: I know some people are always trying to look for mentors. How did you find a mentor, get a mentor, and continue that relationship, if you can flush that out for me?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I have to give it to the credit union. Uh, they're really, really great about connecting with the young professionals. And yeah. so each person, every year that this competition happens, at least when I was there, and Chuck Purvis has retired since. The- yeah. yeah. But Chuck always made it a point to meet with the winner of this prodigy competition and give them a one hour of his time to sort of listen to why you came to this conclusions, etc. And so he took me out to lunch and uh, he told me, you know, be very candid with me. You know, we, we come from different aspects of life, but I want to know why you're so passionate about what you just presented. And mm-hmm. that sort of engagement really made me comfortable and trusting that I could speak to him like I was speaking to a friend yeah and that, you know even though he was the CEO of the place that I work for he was there to just listen and and gain insights on how he could make this better for the collective whole you know um and so that's really what started the mentorship with him um I think after that lunch we just stayed in touch you know yeah. I if I had questions I would email him I didn't feel like I couldn't reach out to him and I so all of this to say is that I really, really do encourage people in leadership to sort of reach out to these folks because I think of my 23-year-old self and would I have ever reached out to Chuck Purvis otherwise? Uh, uh-uh. I would have never done that. I was so <laughs> yeah. shy and so intimidated by him. You know, I would have never took it upon myself to do that at 23 years old. But because he offered that to us, I was like, well, I need to take advantage of this, you know? Um, and then other... Mentors that I've had like Craig Blackwell, who was my boss at that time at Coastal Credit Union, and he's now the SVP of Diversity and Culture at at Coastal as well. He's been a huge mentor for me, and I can just pick up the phone and ask him for advice, you know. And and I think it's it's up to those people in leadership to like again make makes folks comfortable uh, um on reaching out to them, you know. Like you just have to be accessible. Um, yeah. And, um, that's really what I encourage. And then for the young professionals, I really encourage you to step out of your comfort zone because the credit union world and system is full of really kind people. And mostly always, you'll probably never not get a yes for, for seeking out mentorship. you know? So I think, um, we might be intimidated by titles and stuff of that. So just because we're young and young in our careers, but I think that a lot of folks in the credit union understand and want us to be engaged. So that's yeah. my advice for that.
1: I agree. Yeah. Thanks for that. That's I'm sure really helpful. Um, That's, that's a great program. I will follow up with the, with the line there at the Carolinas. And I know we have a young professional group that's really active, but to have a competition like that. And what
0: did you say it's called Barbara? It's called the Prodigy Competition. Well, now I think it's rebranded to CU Lex or something like that. Oh, past then, but when I when I was there, it was called the Prodigy Competition. Okay,
1: cool. Mm -hmm. I will reach out because I think that sounds like a great idea. Um, okay. So now, where you're at now, the National Association of Latino Credit Unions and Professionals. I always struggle with your acronym for some reason. (laughs) know why i'm like i always get i think i i just mess up the l and the c <laughs> so NLCUP is the acronym um so how
0: did you end up there oh this goes back to the prodigy Com- i'm telling you patty prodigy competition wow. really did something for it for my career. yeah um one of the prices at coastal if you won prodigy was you could choose from three things right And one of those things was to be a crasher at GAC. And I chose that one as my reward. Um, And I got to crash GAC in 2019. I can't remember. Um, And I met one of my board members now at a lunch table. Um, You know, back then GAC, well, at least to me, didn't seem like it, it had a lot of people of color attend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one particular person, Maria Martinez, we were both on the, in the lunch line. And I said, Oh, you're Hispanic. And she was like, see, sí, so Mexicana. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm Mexican too. And like the instant connection was just yeah. because like, I finally had seen someone that looked like me, you know, later on, I come to find out she's the CEO of a credit union. She never mentioned that, you know, she was just there talking to me and and being super, super friendly and just giving me advice. Um, and years later so her and I stayed connected you know we would chit chat so, mm-hmm. and stuff of that sort and years later she reached out to me along with Pablo De Filippi um, to sort of see if I was interested in becoming the executive director of Nau Cup. and I was like uh, what like this is I'm I, honestly Patty I'm like I feel too young for this position um, but I knew there was work to be done. Yeah, and I knew that I could do that work, you know. Um, and so that's actually how I ended up at LabCorp is they, they actually recruited me from years later that I have met them at GAC. So yeah, um, it's been a really special story, the prodigy competition, because I just feel like that was like the top of my hill, you know, like, yeah, I, I really grew a lot professionally with that competition.
1: Yeah, the trajectory of that. I, I think it's so awesome that in our industry, we have these associations like yours and others that have a very specific purpose of of helping credit unions and professionals in a very specific niche. And I think that, you know, there's there's a few of them. CU Pride comes to mind, you know, we already mentioned ACUCE and things like that. And there's others. Um, so what is, you know, the if the kind of the purpose like of your association and, and what do you guys strive to do for credit unions and professionals?
0: So really our purpose is to empower the Latinx voices of the industry. Like I said, back and when I crashed JC, there was not a lot of folks that looked like me. Um, and NAWCUP's mission is to make every place in the credit union industry more diverse and that includes the Latinx community, right? And so our main focus is to advance leadership positions, right? So if a leadership position comes up in a credit union, we actively advocate for a Latino, Latinx folks to to obtain that position, obviously, if they're qualified, And another thing that we really focus on is providing education to credit unions on how to better serve the Latinx community. Um, Right now, in more recent times, ITIN lending has become a a huge, you know, uh, program that credit unions want to implement and stuff of that sort. But they don't really know how to go about that. And so they come out and reach out to Inclusive or NALCUP or Juntos Avanzamos. To sort of guide them through those works and what are those things that you need to be marking off their checklist when you're about to be serving um, the undocumented community of the United States. Um, so we provide a lot of guidance around that and and a lot of the folks that serve on my board are people that have been doing 19 lending for years. Winona Nava has been doing it for well now she's recently retired but her, you know all her time at the credit union, she, she's done i lending. So mm-hmm. we really do have the expertise at NALCA and um, helping credit unions obtain the goal of serving the Latinx community better. And it's not just about, you know, the services you're providing, but what type of services are you providing for right. this community? Because those services look different for the American, you know, the average American person versus the undocumented um, person in this country. So. We try a lot of guidance around that.
1: Well, see, I mean, it's, I I love when credit unions are really digging into the technology that's available to them to really understand their community better. And I hear from more and more credit unions that they weren't aware, you know, for whatever reason of the Spanish speaking population and and the pockets of it that are in their community, that are in their field of membership. And, okay, so now that we see this, you know, how do we go about serving them? And some start this journey without even having a Spanish speaking employee. So it's like, we don't even have a way to communicate necessarily and not to mention all the forms and and all everything else. So I think that's such a great opportunity for, I know, Inclusive does a lot of work in this space as well as you. Uh, credit unions that are trying to enter into this domain need a lot of support and guidance. <laughs> so, um for now cup can you um can who can join
0: any credit union can join now cup any individual person right. now cup and any business associate like anybody that's serving credit union members so qsos leagues etc can be members of now cup
1: okay good and then do you put on um do you have like zoom series or what do you all do to kind of get people get your members together
0: yeah, so once a month we actually host um, educational webinars around the Latinx needs, community, et cetera, things that credit unions might be interested in learning a little bit more. For example, last year we had a series of ITIN lending workshop um, webinars that we, you know, brought different folks together to speak on the pra- best practices for item lending. Um, this this month we actually have. Um, a webinar called Amplifying the Latinx Voices, and it's basically gonna go over everything that NALCUP does for the community, the benefits that we have to offer credit union members. um, And also we have a community research page, right? So once you become a member of NALCUP, you get inputted into a community research page. It's kind of like a Facebook group, but that's where all the NALCUP members live and they can interact with one another. Um, And how I've seen it being used by members most often is tend lending. So they, for example, have a question, hey, how does your credit union does X, Y, Z, and then other people of the community answer to that chat. So it's a really good way of um, keeping members engaged and networking with one another, right? Because we have members all across the country. It's not often that we can get everyone together at the same time, but for this community research page, people can stay connected regardless of where they live.
1: Nice. So, is the amplifying Latinx voices is that open to everybody to learn more about you, or is mm-hmm. that okay?
0: Yes, it's open to everyone. And the best way to um, sign up for our webinars is following us on LinkedIn. We post every single activity that we have open to the public on there. Um, so, you know, feel free to sign up. It's it's already live on LinkedIn. So for okay, the sign up nice. sheet. Mm-hmm. And how can
1: they find you on LinkedIn? Is it under the acronym or spelled out? Yes, down? it's under okay. NLCUP. Okay. Perfect. Um, well, good. That sounds, I'm going to get some, I'll follow up with you some for some more details so we can share that amplifying um, session, because I think it'd be, especially if that's more of like, here's what we do and here's how we, you know, can, can help you support this community. I think that I think we'd have some credit unions that would definitely be interested in that. So I'll, I'll follow yes. up with you. So very interesting. Um, so how long have you been executive director and how do you think it's going?
0: I have been executive director for a year and five months now okay um I think it's been a wonderful journey uh I have a really really supportive board I always I know you probably feel the same way but I have the best board I think, <laughs> and I get to learn from all these leaders that I've all deeply have admired for so many years um one of the things that I is challenging and it was very challenging in the beginning is imposter syndrome yeah. Um, You know, I had not finished my bachelor's degree and so I just felt like unworthy almost of the position, mm-hmm. even though I know that I have a lot of knowledge to share and a lot of things that I could bring um, to the credit union world I still still felt like I wasn't deserving of the position and I know that this is something that women people of color, women of color, experience Mm -hmm. a lot more in the workforce, especially once they turn into the leadership positions. But that is probably still something that I struggle with sometimes, just because also my age, um, sometimes I I find it hard to believe that some people won't take me seriously just because I'm young, you know? Mm -hmm. So those things have been a little bit difficult, but overall, I think I've grown now, Um, in a strategic way, and yeah. uh, and the impact that we're having in in the credit union community has been enormous, and it's been really positive feedback. And overall, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better year as, yeah. as the executive director. You know, my first year.
1: That's so great. That's so great. And and yes, I I hear and also experience imposter syndrome uh, on a regular basis. And I know, a lot yeah. of people do it, it. I wish I could say as in my young 50s that it gets easier when it comes to that but it it lingers that's that's a tough one (laughs) so um maybe you'll be better at it than I am um but that that's so great well I'm glad to hear it's going well um so as we're kind of wrapping up our discussion I wanted to um just ask a few questions that I ask everybody that are kind of fun and another way to get to know you even better so we'll go ahead and dig into those um so um Barbara what is on your nightstand at home (laughs)
0: <laughs> melatonin because i seriously cannot shut down my brain oh uh, really i see yeah i have to take melatonin every night uh, uh my lamp and then my journal
1: your journal yes. nice are yes. you a regular journaler
0: no i try to eat <laughs> but you know it's there <laughs> just in case i i have thoughts that don't go away um so i'm trying my best to be more active i
1: know ride. i hear you i don't know why i struggle with that one too i have mine in my drawer on my nightstand but i rarely take it out to be honest yes. I just I don't know I don't feel motivated to write when I get into bed I'm just tired <laughs> yes, exactly. um okay so if you could have coffee with anyone who would it be and why
0: <gasps> Michelle Obama um Ooh. I really really admire her and her resilience through it all you know she I think had it I mean not rough in the social perspective not you know obviously she's widely successful but I think the first years of Barack Obama's presidency was rough for her and i've yeah. read her books so i'm like yeah. just wish i could sit with her for like 30 minutes and pick her brain
1: yeah for sure i know i loved her book i listened to it on audible and i'm so glad she narrated it herself it was yes. really, really a good listen um okay so what is a bucket list travel destination for you where do you want to go
0: oh my gosh italy I really want to go to Italy and I really hope that I can go for a graduation gift. So we'll talk to my husband about that a little bit
1: more. (laughs) I keep working on them. That would be nice. That would be nice. And um, congratulations in advance on your graduation because that's awesome. So that's coming up this May, you said, right? Yes,
0: yes. yay!
1: That'll be so nice to have that done. What a great accomplishment.
0: Um,
1: Okay, so what do you think, um, what is like one trait or quality that you think uh, every leader should strive for?
0: Mm, to be understanding you know mm. people have lives outside of work and yeah she tried to be accommodating and understanding of those circumstances you know because i don't think that everything is an emergency and people and work will continue to be work um, regardless if people have to step away from the office or whatever so i strive to be an understanding leader <laughs> yeah what i hope for everyone else as well
1: yeah that's nice that's good um okay do you have any questions for me
0: Uh, what, who is your superhero?
1: My superhero. Oh man. That's a good one. Um, I guess the person that popped in my head first is my daughter. I feel like, you know, it's been fun to, to watch her grow and navigate the world. Um, so I I feel like she's super courageous and daring. She's You know, she's just 22 and has been to over 50 countries. And a lot of the travel she's done has been by herself. So I feel like, my gosh, like she's so far above what I ever did at her age. So, um, and and she recognizes that a, that a lot of her ability to do those things comes from her background and her privilege, which I think is nice for her to recognize. Um, but I think her, I mean, she's, she's you know, I remember it's fun and I'm sure your mom could kind of experience this with you too. You, you watch somebody as like a, a five, 5 year old insecure, you know, probably a lot of tears being bullied. And you watch somebody go through that as an adult watching your kid, it's heartbreaking when it's your child, but you watch them go through it and then persevere, hopefully. And and that person becomes so strong and amazing. And you kind of see what they went through along their journey. And, and to just to really witness somebody's struggles like literally their whole life, like you do with, when you have a kid, um, it's pretty amazing. And so when they get to be a young adult, and I think it's almost impossible as a parent for that to not become your superhero. I am fortunate. I only have one kid, so I don't have to, you know, pick. if you have multiple, I guess you can't really name one <laughs> But um, for me. It's easy because I just have one. Um, but yeah, I think it would be Julia. <laughs> so yeah. Um, all right, Barbara, well, I won't keep you anymore. I really appreciate you jumping on with me. I think it was so cool to get to know you better. I I talked to a lot of people that I know pretty well. And I think it's always fun to chat with somebody who I don't just because uh, I'm learning a lot of this stuff as well. So it makes it um, even more interesting for me. So thanks for sharing your story and really going there with us. Um, I think it's, it's really... Uh, interesting and and ah, you know I just I feel for your five year old self I really do I wish I could give that girl a huge hug. Oh,
0: thank <laughs> hug. you, Addie.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, all right. Well, have a good rest of your week. Try and stay warm down there. Okay. Hopefully, this cold spell will end soon. And
0: hopefully, I will see you somewhere soon. Are you going to be at the GAC? Yes, I will okay, be good. there, and I'll send you some details on an event that we have there. So I'll, okay. I'll email you. Okay, cool.
1: Good. Oh, you're having an event? You can go mm-hmm. ahead and tell us. Okay. okay. We'll yes, we're yeah.
0: having a reception on Di Tuesday at, from 12 to 3 at the American um, Museum or OAS Museum. Okay. Um, and so it's everyone's invited. People can register and um, the link to registration should be out soon on social okay. media. Good. So I'll send go that email to you as well.
1: Good. Yay. Well I will for sure see you there and um I look forward to it. Same. Okay. Thanks, Thanks so Barbara. much, buddy. Have a good one. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, everyone. I told you that was a great episode. Um I have you know, I was close to tears a few times during this conversation. It was so moving to hear from Barbara. I really love her advice to young professionals, but also I love her advice to older professionals, to people who have quote unquote made it in the industry, how um, impactful the mentoring relationship she had with various people um, in her journey in the credit union space and and how taking time to sit down and really get to know someone and and be available to them as they're developing in their careers is is super important. It doesn't have to be part of this very structured mentoring program. It could just be as simple as having lunch with somebody and continuing to follow up and check in with them. You can hear from Barbara the amazing impact um, those relationships had in her life. So um, I was really, really thrilled to hear um, the impact that that had for her. Um, I know, you know, as part of their goal at NALCUP is to empower um, Latinx voices, to work with credit unions, and professionals in this space. And it's such an important mission in our industry. Um, I encourage you all to check out their website um, and and to spend some time um, getting to know all of the different things that they do. It's nlcup.org um so that's nlcup.org and you can check out who they are and their membership and get to know them even better so thanks again barbara for joining me and thanks to all of you for listening and i will hope to see you all soon out there in credit Union land. have a good one